Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Mid-Major Madness podcast. This is our first one uh, since NCAA tournament time. It's been a long off-season. It's finally coming to an end. We uh, took the summer off from podcasting so that we could uh, figure out how to deliver a better product to you on here, and I think we have done that. My name is... Russ Steinberg. I am joined by my co-editors of the site. First, we have the Cracker Jack of the Whack, Greg Mitchell. Greg, hello. How's it going? I love that. I'm going to start going by that now. You say that for this podcast. That's great. Oh, yeah. I saved all the good stuff for this. Uh, And secondly, we have the King of Huey Pewey, Chris Schutte. Hello, friends. Hello. Um... We are here for more mid-major madness fun. A couple of things right off the bat before um, we bring you all of the content that you really, really want to hear from us. Um, We have been calling this our season preview preview podcast because we will be rolling out our actual season preview content on the site, uh, via podcasts, on Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. That you can find us starting next week, uh, starting a week from today on Monday, October 2nd. Uh, we'll be starting with the Atlantic Sun and then doing one conference per weekday pretty much the entire month, ending with kind of our national preview. That's where you'll get our power rankings, preseason All-Americans, etc. cetera. Uh, so you have that to look forward to. A um, few things have changed since... We last did a podcast. Uh, One of them, sort of out of our control, was Wichita State leaving the Missouri Valley and joining the American. Um, As a staff, we discussed whether that meant we should just, you know, say goodbye to Wichita State or whether we should expand our coverage to uh, the American as well. we did have writers who kind of came down on both sides of the issue. We talked it out a lot, thought about it. Um, ultimately, we decided to not cover the American, stay with the true mid-majors, although I know we are already stretching that a little bit, hence the whole uh, Gonzaga issue. But we decided that if we had expanded our coverage, even though it might bring us a, a few more clicks, expand our audience a little bit, uh, the downside would be that the true mid and low majors who were really here to serve uh, would suffer for it. And so instead, we are going to really be doubling down and um, doing our best to be the experts on the mid-major basketball world. We've expanded our staff a little bit to try and help that out as well. So that is what we will be doing in the season itself, at least for us, will begin next week. So with all of that, I guess, uh, Greg, Chris, I'll open it up to you. Maybe you could start by going around the old uh, round table here. Uh, start with Greg. What was What's something that happened in this offseason that, uh, that you want to, that is worth talking about now in September? Well, I think you mentioned it. I think uh, uh, Wichita State no longer being in the Missouri Valley is uh, pretty fascinating just because they own that league now. 
um, you know, for the last almost, you know, a uh, 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 decade. Um, you know, with, with Valparaiso coming in, there's obviously a team that's uh, had success. But, you know, and we'll see what happens with uh, with a Northern Iowa after a, a disappointing year. But, you know, it would seem wide open there. Um, Illinois State obviously has been was awesome last year but lost a lot. Um, Evansville's probably, you know, upset about this because had this happened three years ago when they had uh, DJ uh, uh, Valentine and some really good uh, teams, they'd uh, probably make the tournament. Um, so, yeah, I'm super interested to see a league that has a lot of passionate fan bases and fans um, – you know, how that works out now that it's sort of wide open. Yeah. Um, and c- kind of on top of that, maybe from the perspective of the Missouri Valley, this was pretty bad timing because you're, I'm not sure who the dominant team is going to be in the league. Valparaiso, um, it's going to look a little bit different next year. I think Northern Iowa is going to be a lot better, but I'm not sure exactly where they're going to fall. Illinois State and Missouri State, I think, are both real contenders and from our perspective the fan or the people who cover these leagues I think it's going to be really really interesting to see it all play out um and now one of the it's kind of a domino effect right Wichita goes to the American Valparaiso goes to the Missouri Valley and then Chris someone had to take um Valparaiso's spot in the Horizon League and I think you know who that is, and I think you have uh, some good takes from that perspective. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so kind of out of nowhere, when Valparaiso left, uh, my, not necessarily my alma mater yet, but IEPY, <laughs> um, kind of came out of... Your future alma mater. Future alma mater. Um, kind of came out yeah. of nowhere and got tabbed with... Uh, the bid to the horizon. I think they um, they offer a lot of um, I don't know you want to call it benefits, amenities to the Horizon League One, a large TV market, and this is something we uh, we kind of harped on when we were providing our initial coverage. It's not necessarily just for the basketball team, which by any means hasn't been on the level of a Valparaiso or a Wichita State. But they bring a large TV market. Um, the Horizon League headquarters is here in Indianapolis. So that obviously um, was appealing for them. They've got plenty of venues um, that have experience hosting uh, large events. So you might not see the immediate benefits. Like IUPUI, they're probably not going to come in and just dominate like a Valparaiso would. But I think over the long run, they're getting a, a program that's on the rise. It's starting to kind of get its legs under it with Jason Gardner. And then I think a couple down, uh, years down the road, it could be a regular contender in the horizon. Yeah, I, I think you, you made a good point here. And it's something that I think a lot of fans forget. And maybe you know you, you can't blame them. Is that when a conference looks to expand the current team that they are putting out on the court or on the field isn't necessarily the biggest concern. Um, It's more you want a university that's willing to invest in that program um, and offers a whole bunch of things outside of it as well. Uh, TV market being one of them or good academics or what have you. 
Um, and for IUPUI, going to the Horizon League, which is without a doubt a better basketball conference, they automatically are going to get better because of that. They're going to, it's going to open up um, recruiting for them a little bit. They're going to be able to get slightly higher level players. Um, you might not see it right away, but it it wouldn't be surprising at all if, you know, a few years down the road, IUPUI was uh, contending in that league. And I think if, if you want evidence of something like that happening, I think look at the American where, you know, until the last few years, I mean, you never really thought about Houston or SMU or UCF as NCAA tournament teams, and they could all go to the tournament this year. Um, because they suddenly joined a basketball conference that had UConn and Memphis and Cincinnati in it, and now they are getting real basketball players. I mean, UCF, a team that was, I first learned who they were because they played UConn uh, in 2005 as a 15 seed. Uh, they could be a legit at-large school this year. So it's you just you see it happen over the years as teams move up. Um, they just need a, a reason to be included, and I think IUPUI has that. Right, and I think we'll, um, like we always say, conference expansion isn't, it never stops. Um, it'll be interesting to see if the Horizon continues to add teams such as maybe a Fort Wayne. Um, I know they were another team that was uh, rumored to get added to the Horizon League, or even uh, it trickles all the way down to the Summit League and um Maybe they go after a, a UMKC, or maybe they try to poach New Mexico State from the WAC. I mean, it's just going to be a continuous cycle of teams moving up and then a team from a conference below that getting poached, and somebody's going to have to... Somebody's going to always end up on the losing end of it, no matter how you want to look at it. Yeah, I think what that's what the, uh, that's what the WAC is there for. Am I right, Craig? Absolutely. And I mean, even there, they're trying to be proactive, adding uh, a Cal Baptist for next season. Um, and I don't know. I mean, they've kind of set themselves up in this nice area to kind of uh, preempt that with, you know, if there's a team that wants to uh, transition and I don't know how many more of those are out there. But I mean, they've shown that they'll take that uh, team and, you know, with a Grand a Canyon, that's obviously worked out well. But again, uh, that's another school that may, if, you know, if they were to get an offer to the uh, Big Sky or something like that, uh, they may leave as well. But um, they've at least tried to protect themselves with that. Yeah, and that uh, that school you're talking about, Cal Baptist, they're going to be transitioning up and joining the WAC. Um, I believe next year is the start of their transition, and then they'll be full members by 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the... Uh, the new sort of landscape of the mid-major world. We can't just come back to you after taking six months or whatever off as a mid-major podcast and not bring up what was without a doubt the biggest story um, of the off season. And that of course is Mr. Mitchell Robinson and that whole saga. I, I don't think we need to, rehash everything that happened because I think we all know what that is by now. He committed to Texas A&M, followed Rick Stansberry to Western Kentucky, left, came back, left, came back, and now he's gone again. Uh, 
Greg, what, what, what are your thoughts on what is the weirdest story uh, of the offseason? Well, I was going to say, I think he's on campus right now. So are we sure that he's not, uh, he's not going there? <laughs> I, I, mean, I thought that was Are we sure it's going to end until it ends, until, until the season starts and he's not there? I'm joking, no. He's, he, he's obviously uh, not there. And I would totally agree. that I think that's the strangest uh, one of the offseason just because any other player, I, you know, especially at this level, does not get that much rope that he got. Um, and obviously it was, it, was, it was, I can understand why they gave him that much rope, but um, it was just such a strange, Greg, do we strange you? thing. I'm going to miss all the clicks that we got out of it. It seemed like <laughs> every couple of weeks it's adding another chapter. And, I mean, it was, it's fascinating. I think Rick Stansbury's, you got to put him up there as one of the most interesting uh, people in mid-major basketball right now considering um, just kind of the reputation he's built up kind of among the college basketball insider world with some of his um, his reputation on the recruiting trail. Um, and it obviously does hurt Western Kentucky. I mean, anytime you lose a, ca- a player of Mitchell Robinson's caliber, it's going to hurt your team. But I mean, Western Kentucky, they bring back a, a decent roster that has some guys that should still be able to make a difference for them. So it's not not the end of the world for the Hilltoppers, but it's hard not to think of what could have been. Now, and they probably yeah, still I, have the best recruiting class, you know, in, in a Conference USA, even without them, which is uh, insane, you know. And I think there's that adds to the story that um, it wasn't only about him. Obviously, he's the headliner that hardly ever happens you know, at this level, I guess a uh, Brandon McCoy. Um, I don't know if I'd put that in the same category just because uh, he and I'll be obviously not under Marvin uh, Menzies has had that kind of success recruiting, but um, it just does not happen at this level. And here, here he, in addition to that, has a guy like uh, Josh Anderson, who's a top 50 recruit, um, has a couple of really good uh, grad uh, transfers uh, coming in. So it's just, I can't imagine what the storyline would be like if he did not have those guys he can fall back on with uh, Mitch Robinson gone. Yeah, I mean, Western Kentucky was about to be, I guess, what friend of the site John Rothstein would call appointment television every night because you were going to want to see him dominate Conference USA. And now... From Robinson's perspective, you know, we we could sit here all night and speculate, you know, was was he getting bad advice? What what was he thinking, etc. Um, but this is probably going to hurt him. Maybe not necessarily the questionable decision making, although that could have an effect if you know you're thinking about his draft stock, but simply the fact that he's gonna go a year now without playing organized basketball. I mean, even even though Conference USA is not a great conference, it's still he would still be going up against Division One athletes every night, and now he's sort of going to be forgotten about um, during the season because no one's going to see him. Uh, could you have imagined had he gone to New Orleans, <laughs> him in the Southland? Oh my God! I mean, I I don't want to speak for both of you, but I will anyway and say that we were all rooting for that. Oh yeah. Am I wrong? A little, a little bit, yeah. I I was very intrigued. If it wasn't going to be Western Kentucky, um, New Orleans would have been my next choice. 
Yeah, I mean, it, as bad as Conference USA is, the Southland is far worse. And seeing him go up against, you know, Corpus Christi or McNeese or Incarnate Word was, oh, that was just going to be so much fun. Um, but I guess that was that was too good to be true. Yeah, I don't think there was any chance of him actually, like, getting cleared for that anyway. That would have, no. the NCAA would have shut that down really quick. Yeah, that's the thing. He he likely wasn't going to get cleared for this season anyway because he took summer classes at Western Kentucky. So the, if he had actually left and attended a different college, he probably would not have played this year, unfortunately. Um, but still, it was fun to think about. Um, any other Robinson takes, or can we move on? Uh, I don't have any. <laughs> At least none that haven't already been said. <laughs> oh, good. All right. Um Apart from Robinson, which I think was sort of the outlier storyline of the offseason, we did have some of you know the, the normal stuff that you get every year. Uh, the NCAA coaching carousel being one of them. Um, the two biggest schools, at least, that we cover uh, to make moves being Dayton and VCU, both of those schools bringing in guys very familiar with the programs. Um, I, I think on the surface, very good hires, but both sort of with their work cut out for them uh, right away. Let's start with Dayton. Uh, what do we think of uh, the Flyers and their new head coach, uh, Anthony Grant? It's fine. I think it's a reliable hire. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry, Chris, I was just going to say, it's fine. Like, it's not, it doesn't jump off the page, but I, I think you could do a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, Alabama was not at the bottom of the SEC while he was there. I mean, they're not, they weren't very exciting to watch. And, you know, he's, he plays really, really slow, so that's going to happen. But, I mean, he's had a lot of success at this, at this level before. And, you know, he's got the NBA a cachet now. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's not the most exciting hire, but I think it works. Yeah. I think the, the, the NBA cachet, as you say, is probably, uh, something that will help a lot on the recruiting trail. Um, just being able to say that you're being coached by someone who coached with the Oklahoma city thunder, um, I think will carry a lot of weight in the Atlantic 10, uh, recruiting world. And of course, Grant, um, himself it, is a Dayton guy. He went to Dayton, and that's something that I think means a lot uh, to people close to the program. Um, someone who maybe wouldn't jump at the first opportunity from a bigger school or something like that. Um, so that helps as well. And then you go look at VCU, um, school, of course, that Grant used to coach at. And VCU brings in Mike Rhodes, a guy who was the associate head coach under Shaka Smart, left and coached at Rice, had some success there, um, turning a 12-20 and 20 team into a 23-12 and 12 team. Um, he comes back to VCU this season. Again, another good hire for a program that I think is starting to get the uh, reputation as a launching pad for Power 5 jobs. Yeah. I mean, they're they're losing a lot too, so it'll be interesting to see 
um, kind of how we adjust to having um, a little bit of, of some roster turnover heading into a season. There might be a little bit more uncertainty than there has been in uh, recent years with VCU. And I just looked it up, and he's 45, and that, I mean, obviously still young, but, I mean, not like your age, right? young. Exactly, right? Yeah, <laughs> so young. Um, so I don't know, I mean, he if he has success there, I don't think his age would stop him from being a, a candidate at a, at a higher level. But he, you know, he's not like a whiz kid like a Will Wade, or I guess even like a Shaka, right? So uh, perhaps he stays there a little bit longer, um, but I don't, I don't know that that's a big thing. Greg, don't you mean wall wide? That is, I'm not hip. Wall, I'm not young wall, like you guys. Wall. I can't do the spoonerisms. My mind wouldn't work that fast. <laughs> I think that's my favorite wall coach wide. spoonerism. Yeah, that's, that's hard wall to beat wide. that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think one last sort of thing from the offseason that I wanted to touch on is the, uh, the transfer market's always something that we need to be paying attention to. Um, wondering if you guys have maybe a transfer in mind, um, eligible this season, that's going to make a big impact for you or for their team right away. I think there are a few off the top of my head, um, that could really shake things up. This is one of them Casey Benson. You took the Cracker Jack Whack guy and the words are out of my mouth. You knew it too. (laughs) Yeah, I think he is super fascinating uh, because, you know, uh, Dwayne Russell uh, was a point guard last year. He led the whack in scoring. Um, I think he scored like 40 plus against against uh, Louisville when they played in Phoenix. Um, He was a really exciting player, a playmaker. He could uh, get in the lane anytime he wanted. Um, So he's not the player that Benson is. um, But with him gone, I mean, he was a large part of their offense. so the fact and the fact you can slide in a guy who um, I believe wasn't really playing a point guard as much last year at Oregon off the bench, but um, a few years ago, you know, was I, I think I, I read had the uh, best assisted turnover ratio in the Pac-12. Um, I mean, he's got experience there and he can play off the ball, and he's not the same type of player, um, but you know, he's an experienced guy that in a year that is super intriguing for them. I think you know, not just because they're in the whack, I think they're going to be one of the uh, most fascinating stories of the season now that they're eligible for the NCAA tournament um, and, and have a, a roster that is is good. Um, so the fact that you can add that guy on there and at least somewhat replace um, probably your most you know exciting player, if nothing else, from last year, I think I think that's big. Yeah, um, I, I think mine is going to be also a a school out west and a a team I've been talking up a lot uh, this summer to the point where maybe I uh, should stop a little bit because I'll look really foolish if they underperform Uh, but that's going to be St. Mary's and the grad transfer they're bringing in Colin Neal out of Ole Miss Um, he's just somebody who I think really completes this uh, St. Mary's team we already know they're bringing back Jock Landale, who I think if he was playing for a Power 5 school would be a legit National Player of the Year candidate. He's at least going to be preseason Player of the Year in uh, the West Coast Conference. And now you add in Neil, a quality guard, and put him right alongside Calvin Hermanson. 
and Emmett Nair, and suddenly you're talking about a top 10 backcourt um, in college basketball. I think St. Mary's, their starting five at least, is going to be probably the most complete in the mid-major world, one of the most complete in the country. And I, I just think Colin Neal is a really interesting piece um, to slide in there. Greg? And there's no way you could probably uh, quantify this unless you guys know off the top of your head, but um, he had uh, committed there out of high school before his dad got the job at New Mexico. So I think that's like super fascinating that here's a guy who the place he originally uh, committed now all these years later and uh, two programs later, he now ends up there. That's just, I I doubt that's ever happened uh, in the past. It's just, you know, I find that interesting. Yeah, I mean, he, he's kind of someone who's bounced around um, a little bit throughout his career. Um, Chris, I, I don't want to uh, take the attention o- o- away from you at all. Did you have uh, someone, or was um, Benson your guy as well? Benson's the one I'm probably most intrigued by, but um, I'm not sure if I have a specific player in mind, uh, but more so as a, a program as a whole. I'm been fascinated by what nevada has been doing the last couple of seasons on the transfer market they've kind of taken the um kind of the fred hoiberg model from iowa state and just bringing in uh these high level transfers every year and kind of rolling the ball out and being able to compete off of sheer talent um just looking at their roster they're bringing in kendall stevens who's a four-star from they played at purdue the martin twins who were um solid guys at um, NC State, uh, just seeing kind of where he, what he's been able to do with that program in short time, especially after he almost got the the Cal job this summer. I was surprised that he um, didn't kind of jump at that first chance to go to a, a Power 5 program. But I think because of those transfers that he's brought in and some of the guys that they're returning, I think Nevada has a really good chance to kind of be the favorite in the Mountain West again. Yeah, that's it's definitely possible, and it's going to be strange because it'll be a sort of new-look team that is the favorite, and it's not something you usually see from a mid-major conference. Uh, so definitely Nevada going to be a team to watch. I think a lot of these teams out West are going to be really fascinating this year. So that's going to be... I think good for us since we were accused a little bit last year of having an Eastern bias and probably rightfully so. I don't think uh, we're going to be able to afford to this year and it's going to be fun to stay up to midnight to watch some of these teams, but yeah, I I'm definitely all, think uh, my, I'm all uh, for my it. coffee consumption is going to increase this season and got some, some late nights ahead of us. <laughs> you see, mine never you slowed go. down, so I'm just going to keep going. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be fine. Um, I, I think, you, you know, everything we've discussed here, we've talked about on Twitter, we've talked about on the site, we've written about it. Um, I do want to kind of bring attention to a couple of other things that we've written about, um, not just to sit here and plug our own work, but because That's I think they I'm are fascinating topics. Well, yeah, fair enough. Um, well, but, and one of them, uh, Chris, is, is something you wrote, and it's in. Um, it was in our newsletter 
the first one that went out a couple weeks ago, um, by the way, parentheses, sign up for our newsletter, and every Friday you'll have uh, some great mid-major content delivered right to your inbox. Um, we'll make sure to uh, drop a link to that in the uh, description of this episode, and uh, we'll keep plugging it on the site as well. Um, but anyway, Chris, one thing you wrote about was Middle Tennessee and how they have a chance to be a uh, lasting power in the mid-major world. They've had a good uh, run of it lately, um, but you say yeah, it's something I, that could last. I think my inspiration for it kind of just stemmed from where, like, where exactly did they come from? And I was kind of intrigued by Kermit Davis's kind of history at uh, Middle Tennessee up until really 2012. He they really had no form of uh, really sustained success. They were generally a 500 team in the the Sun Belt, not really doing anything. And then they finally break through in uh, 2013, and then make the jump to Conference USA. And ever since then, um, they just kind of have been dominating. A couple numbers from that: they're 99 and 41 since uh, joining Conference USA in four seasons, 52 and 18 in conference play, including 17 and one last year. And I think he's kind of gotten them to the point where they have a higher floor where you can kind of expect that they're going to be one of the teams in the running every single year in Conference USA. Are they the favorites this year uh, now that Mitchell Robinson is not at West Kentucky? I would, I would think so just because of, uh, I think they've kind of proven themselves that until somebody beats them, I don't think you really should bet against them. They've, they do lose a little bit of uh, talent, Reggie Upshaw, um, Ja'Cory Williams, but they do bring back Giddy Potts and then uh, Nick King, the former um, Power 5 talent. He's going to be able to, um, I think, kind of step into that Ja'Cory Williams role and kind of be that tough mismatch uh, forward on the wing that can uh, really kind of be a go-to scorer for him. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good call. I forgot that they were bringing him in as well. Uh, I've always been a big fan myself of uh, Mr. Pity Gotts, and I'm excited to see what he has in store this year. He's going to be kind of the guy, and this will be his uh, his last shot at at an NCAA tournament run. Uh, he kind of made a name for himself in March the last couple of years, so I'm excited to see. Um, what he has in store as well. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to touch on that we've been doing on the site or that Greg's been doing is a countdown um, to opening night, November 10th, in the college basketball world, highlighting a different team or player or coach or conference every day um, based on the number of days remaining until opening night. Uh, just to give you an example today, um, with 46 days until opening day, he talked about a 46-year-old coach and new arena to turn around the Portland State program. Apparently I'm obsessed uh, with age. 
apparently of coaches' ages. I just apparently well, it's, I'm e- it's, e- it's an easy thing because it's because um, it's a number. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have uh, Coach Ben Cohn or Ken Bone. <laughs> Not to be confused <laughs> with a uh, former Twitter celebrity, Ken Bone. I was, but that yeah, was the original why, Ken Bone. Yeah, that, that's why. I, that's why I said it. Uh, he's uh, at Washington State. Is that correct? That's where he went. I don't. I don't think he's there anymore. But he got Portland State oh, going okay. there. Um, in a 2008-2009 back-to-back um, uh, conference tournament championships. Um, so, you know, as I found out, as I looked into it, they're really of the current teams in the in the Big Sky. You know, Montana's been really good. Um, I believe first under Wayne Tinkle. Which is another. I'll let you do that one because I'm not. I, I I can't think Kane that fast. There it is. Um, and then obviously uh, Weber State um, has been good. Eastern Washington has also been good, uh, but their coach uh, Jim Hayford is now in the whack because everything always gets back to the whack. But I guess the point was that this uh, a program has shown that it can be good um, in recent history. So Barrett Peary is the new coach who was with Herb Sendek the last few years at ASU and then Santa Clara. Um, seems like he can recruit well because he, he coached Indian Hills um, for a few years. Um, seems to have nice uh, ties there on the uh, in the uh, JUCO level. And they have a new arena. So, you know, these are things that I didn't know until I typed in 46-year-old head coach into the, uh, into the um, internet machine and popped his name out. Um, and now I know them. And now the few people who read it know them too. So, We'll see if we can keep that going. I think we're what four days in right now, and it's been it's been rolling. Um, so I uh, I I know we'll get tomorrow in, uh, but beyond that, um, no promises. But I'll I'll do my best. Well, fun fun fact about Barrett Peary. Again, you mentioned head coach at the JUCO level at Indian Hills. Fun fact: Indian Hill Road was the road I grew up on. Uh, the first nine years of my life, which is very important and worth mentioning here. Oh yeah! Shout Indian Hill Road. Shout Devin Downey. Shout Chester, South Carolina. Oh, wrong podcast. I apologize. Uh-huh. Yeah, do they? <laughs> we, don't, we don't want Gary that? Parrish to sue us. Um, I I don't know. They, they put that. Uh, they put it in every description um, on their site, like hashtag shout Devin Downey. So I I don't want to get in trouble, but. Uh, I, I had to shout them out and shout out Indian Hill Road in uh, in Farmington, Connecticut, where I grew up. And see, if I never had on Friday gotten this idea to do this, you never would have gotten to talk about that in the podcast. Never, and I'm so, so glad. So I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna send you the name of every other street I've lived Please on, do, and I'll find uh, way I'll find ways to work that in. Yeah, well, once we get to the New York period in my life, you're gonna have to find like East 85th Street, um, and figure out how to work that in. Um, so good luck with that. Throw them at me, man. Let's do this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, w- one thing we do like to do, we do it on the site, we do it on Facebook, we do it on Twitter, we do it wherever we really can, is we like to take questions from you, the reader, supposedly you read uh, the site. <laughs> um not just because, you know, we want the clicks and we want the interaction, um, but because it's, at least to me, uh, it's important that we know what you guys care about so that we could serve you a little bit better. Um, again, we are a mid-major site. 
we know that most of our readers read us uh, primarily because there is just nowhere else that's going to cover Vermont or Valpo or whoever. So we just want to be the best at it um, because I think that's what you deserve. So anyway, we we do ask for mailbag questions quite often. We got a couple tonight to answer on the podcast. Let's start with this one here uh, from Ryan who asks, do you think basketball teams will start to follow the few football schools that sell beer at games and where? And I'll just start off and say that has already started to happen. Uh, this week, yeah. uh, or last week, I should say, Butler uh, out of the Big East announced that they were going to start selling beer at games. Uh, uh, I don't believe Chris, so. Do they do it at UAQE? I, I can double check on that. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, if, I can tell you, it's definitely something that get, should happen. Yeah, I mean, um, as if, if you want attendance, you know, that's when we do it. And with with this sport, unlike football, you're starting at a lower baseline, you know, because in football, everyone's already hammered when they walk in. And I guess for some basketball right. games too, but you know, yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, Chris, aren't you on the clock for for your uh, games? My lawyer's advising me not to talk about that. <laughs> yeah i think i think eventually um i'm sure some schools will come around to it i can't tell you who or when it'll be um one thing i do know for sure probably won't be byu i saw that they just started they just start yeah they got coke last week so who <laughs> knows maybe in maybe 50 years down the road scandalous. Maybe byu selling Selling beer and kids are calling the cops after precisely one beer. <laughs> uh, you took my joke. Oh, I hate you so much. I was about to say I would love to have one parentheses, <laughs> one beer with Dave Rose uh, and then promptly call 911 with him because <laughs> I think that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> um, so, yes, good question. Thank you. Um one more kind of along the same lines. I think we could each maybe answer this. Alex of uh, Big East Coast Bias asks us, Ooh. what's your go-to arena food? Go-to arena food. I'm partial to nachos. I don't think – I think that's probably my number nachos one go-to in terms of in arena food. I go with hot dogs just because anytime it's socially acceptable to eat a hot dog, I will eat a hot dog. What What do you put on your hot dog? Uh, mustard, onions, and relish. Ugh. The onions and relish, if it looks, you know, if it doesn't look too suspect, at the uh, at the island there where everyone walks by and you know who knows what falls into it. But if it looks fine, I'm all, I'm all for it. The the only acceptable is, thing to put on a hot dog take. is ketchup. That yeah. is my opinion. See, this is. I try to <laughs> stifle, I stifle the inner Chicagoan in me who's supposed to get super offended by that. And, hey, I say if you want to put ketchup on your hot dog, you do it. But there's a little part of me that's getting very angry, Russ. But that part I'm going to make sure is, like, stifled way down there. It's funny because Cam is going to listen to this and then quit because we're saying that. <laughs> is he a non-ketchup guy too? He he just disagrees with everything Wait, Chris uh, and I say. Ben, and comes, are usually ben wrong. listens to it. Um, and get offended that we're talking about 
Yeah, he's he's a real Chicago ben guy. Actually, is a Chicagoan, so he, went, he has he has a right to be offended. Although I did take him for a real New York slice once, and uh, and he I enjoyed think it. The next meetup should Probably be in more Chicago, than and we can go that. eat some uh, casserole. <laughs> Speaking of Chicago and Chicago deep dish casserole, um, every day on my way to the uh, on my way to the train to work, I walk by a pizzeria Uno. And this morning I walked by and there was a homeless man banging on the door and it was 9 a.m. Um, <laughs> and I just like to imagine that that is every Pizzeria Uno in Chicago. Just the homeless people clamoring to get in and eat their casserole every day because it's just too trash for normal people to have. Hey, for someone who grew up there, you're not getting the argument out of me. I can't stand deep. I hope pizza, I didn't. So offend everybody I'm, <laughs> I'm i'm completely unoffended personally but no you're not <laughs> uh one thing we did every podcast last season and that i think we should do this season to reward all you listeners who have stuck with us for the 40 or so minutes that we have been uh babbling here uh Chris has a trivia right, question so, for us. So, um, Chris, take it you away. You kind of touched on it earlier. You've kind of been banging the St. Mary's drum um, all offseason, saying that they're better than Gonzaga. I have. Or at least they will be. Better this year. Um, better this year, So, yes. I was wondering, who was the last West Coast Conference team to win the regular season championship outright that is not named Gonzaga or St. Mary's. Oh, I think I know this. They won the Is they won San the tournament, Diego not the regular, not the regular season. Ah! Okay. Oh, I, Ooh. I thought that was it. So it's not BYU Correct. because they haven't been in it that long. They're too new, right? Yeah. So it's not them. They would be the next thought. Uh, oh boy. Do you have to go Santa all the way Clara back to Santa Clara? Knows after them, short, shortly after, like Steve okay. Nash, is that what you're talking about? That's like, what I was all the way, Yeah, yeah, yeah that right. would be a that'd be a cool answer. But um, yeah, all right. You said shortly after that, though. Not Pacific. Um, I know, I know Pacific. Oh, Pacific. That was in the yeah, because they were in the tournament. Like, yeah, not, they had a good run, like in the mid 2000s. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Well, eventually we're going to name every it team. Is so we're going to get it. it is Pepperdine in 2000. Is it Pepperdine? Led by Brandon Armstrong. That long. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it has been since the That's turn of amazing. the millennium since somebody not named Gonzaga or St. Mary's has won the conference outright, which to me is preposterous. And see, and that's why I think the Wichita thing is so interesting because I know it's only one team and they haven't had a prolonged run of success. Even though I, I know think they were, they were like well on their way to get to the Gonzaga level of just um, dominating every single year. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, and then with uh, and maybe Northern Iowa is like a St. Mary's, you know. But that's just that's why I find that fascinating because it like can you imagine all those programs then in the in the WCC. If those two teams left, being like, "Oh man, this is." I think uh, thing is open one now. of my bold predictions that I put on our sheet was that BYU was going to win the WCC, and I'm going to stick by it. 
Is that I, before Eric Meekin? They're going to be good, but they're going to be. Good. I don't know. Gun, St. Mary's is going to be really good, and Gonzaga is going to be tough again. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I one thing I would really love to see in the West Coast Conference, and I know we've talked about this, um, you know, privately. We've probably mentioned it on Twitter and on the site. Is that the West Coast Conference would be so much better. It would benefit so much by a fourth team coming up and just challenging Gonzaga, St. Mary's, BYU. Not not even necessarily finishing better than one of them, but just knocking them off um, in the regular season, knocking off a couple of them. Um, I know Santa Clara is a team that uh, we were very high on for a while, San Francisco as well. Um, it just to have a little bit more competition in the middle of that league, I think the West Coast Conference would be just so much better off, and I hope it could happen uh, fairly soon for them because that is a fun conference to follow. Do we want to talk some of the bold predictions that we received from? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Let me just pull that up. My favorite one was Grand Canyon making the Final Four. Um. Yeah, the, the good thing about that is I'm pretty sure that I'm, person was when, serious. I'm no, very much all in serious. on Grand Canyon. No like, doubt. I want them to be good because I just think they're I think they're fascinating. Oh, okay. There is yes. There is no the way for profit. Well, that and their um <laughs> their rowdy home venue, but there's no way that they make the final four in any scenario. And if they do, I will I will do Something. No. <laughs> I will eat my. Sh- I will cure shirt live Wait, on Facebook. Say it right if now. Grand Canyon the makes the final four this year. Make the final four. I will. Oh man. I will eat my shirt live on Facebook Live in front of a grand total of three viewers. <laughs> you heard it here first. Hold him to it. And it's got to be one of your favorite shirts. Oh, no. One of your favorite. It's got to be the Larry Bird shirt. If they win it all, I would eat the Larry Bird shirt. You're really confident. If Grand Canyon wants to supply me with a shirt to eat live on Facebook Live, I will will gladly take it. Um, Feel free to contact me. I can give you my info if you want to send me some free stuff. By all means, I will be happy to take it. (laughs) So... That was, I mean, that prediction is insane. And just from a Grand Canyon fanboy, which fine. Hey, you, you want to have that as a goal. You want to have that as an expectation. Fine. You know, good for you. Grand Canyon's going to be good. Go nuts. There were some that were somewhat realistic. Uh, yes. One of them being St. Yes. Louis wins the Atlantic 10. Um, I think that might be more of a product of the Atlantic 10 being a little bit more wide open than it is usually. Dayton's going to be down, we expect. Uh, VCU will be pretty good, uh, but not really sure. Uh, Rhode Island is probably the team to beat in that league. They're actually probably a borderline top 25 team right now. Um, but yeah, the door I, is open I for St. Louis to make a run. Probably, at least from the people on our side, probably the highest on uh, St. Louis. I think they've got some, some young guys that I think are going to be able to um, – with their level of talent, kind of be able to compete with 
like you said, the Rhode Islands, the VCUs, the uh, St. Bonaventures. Oh, yeah, Bonaventure is going to be good, too. I forgot about them. I am uh, I'm the Adams president of probably the be one of my Jalen Adams fan country. club. <laughs> oh, yes, and I also like the Jalen Adams who plays for St. Bonaventure, too. I should mention that. Not just is Connecticut Jalen Adams of the University of Connecticut. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. <laughs> Um, I'll actually get a chance to see St. Louis because they're going to be playing in New York. I was going to try the, see uh, the two K class. I think they're. I think they play um, here so at uh, Hinkle at some point in December. Yeah, Bowers got some. Oh, uh, definitely go to that. They have some nice yeah. uh, mid majors uh, lined up. I know they play. I think they open against Princeton, maybe, and then I know St. Louis for a fact. Let me pull up their schedule because they. I'm very excited to see Princeton and the rest of the Ivy League. Who do you think is the, the Ivy League is going to be so much fun? Give me your order, Harvard. Harvard is that your Harvard? Uh, yeah, Harvard. Harvard, Yale, Princeton is my top three right now. Um, yeah, I think... But I could see Princeton overtaking Yale. I uh, still might go spot. with Princeton. I'm very, very high on Devin Kennedy. I think he's going to be fantastic for them this year. He is good. Yeah. Um, I just, I I can't overlook. Uh, yeah, that's Yale another thing that kind of got Mason now. swept under the rug. Um, like I'm really excited. To see. You just kind of forget about it until you, you start diving back into it. And you're like, oh crap, they have they're bringing they're bringing him back. <laughs> yeah. Well, because he sat out last it was either last year, right? Or, he got injured in the right. preseason, I thought, or or very beginning of the season. Yeah, because yeah. he wasn't there for that Washington win. No, which was yeah. Um, so that's going to be fun. Baylor, yep. Uh, and then he's going to uh, he's going to Baylor after that. Uh, <laughs> a team that should not have an athletics program, but that's a discussion for a different day. <laughs> Um, anyway, back to uh, the bold predictions. There were some other good ones on here. Uh, one that I really liked, UIC wins the Horizon League. Um, I disagree because I think Oakland is winning the Horizon League, but, but it gives us a reason win in the to tournament talk about. you got to remember that. They don't win in the conference tournament. Oh, true. Doesn't well, I happen. could say UIC wins the conference tournament. Yeah, there you go. Um but anyway, I bring it up because it gives us an excuse to talk about all of our favorite players. Are all oh, of yes. I don't know how the to most say that. On, the uh, most Dikembe online Dixon. of mid mid major players. Who has the best Twitter presence? Yeah, yeah he's, he's so online. He also happens to be very good, which and we love him. Makes for it even it. better. Yeah, he's incredibly good, and he got hurt beginning of last year in a game against DePaul, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, but he seems to think he is the Horizon League player of the year. Uh, I won't give away our Horizon League preview, um, but I will say that the possibility of him winning that award is discussed. Um, Andy Evans is taking care of that one for us, and he has submitted his preview content, and it takes a deep dive into Dikembe Dixon 
and what he brings to the table for UIC. Um, and then there was one more that I did want to mention from your awful predictions, and that was Peyton Williams, who says, I predict Stephen F. Austin makes it deeper into the tourney than any other Texas team with a big first-round upset. I'm trying to think of um, Texas teams. Let's say right. they need yeah. to make the NCAA tournament first. That's that's going to be a problem because Corpus Christi and New Orleans are both going to be pretty good in that conference. But let's allow the notion to exist that they make it. Is there another Texas team that we could realistically Shoot. say is going to win a game or two in the A&M. tournament? Yeah, a and going to be good. I mean, a and yeah. A&M has Robert Williams. Oh, A&M's going to be uh, good. I yeah. forgot about A&M. My apologies. Yeah, uh, yeah, that kind of... Uh, forgot, I forgot that they existed. UT Arlington? Um, because that's what happens when you go to the SEC. Slide in at like a, mm-hmm. maybe a, like a 12 seed? Ooh, see, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, UT Arlington, if they make the tournament, will be dangerous. Um, we actually had our mentions were on fire today because uh, some magazine, oh, it was Lindy's, named Kevin Hervey the number 19 uh, small forward in the country. Rejoice. Which, in my opinion, is really underse- underselling him. Um, yeah, Arlington's going to be a really good team next year. They're probably, oh, they're definitely my pick definitely. Uh, in the Sun Belt. Um. Yeah, and I hadn't really so, thought of him as an NBA prospect up. until the other day when I was looking when I got that great idea from you, Chris, about the forty-eight minutes um, of an NBA game corresponding, which is great. Which is great. Um, He's getting a look. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean he. So so last season he finally started to shoot the three a little bit. Um, and in Sun Belt play on ninety-eight attempts, he hit forty-one percent of them. So I mean that'll play, and um, he's a great rebounder. Um, he's athletic and uh, doesn't seem like the ACL injury he had a couple years ago is affecting him really like that. That's a guy that gets a look nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. So Arlington and A&M are the uh, biggest challengers to SFA in terms of uh, teams who can win a game or two in the tournament. And of course, um, if Baylor or Texas Tech makes it obviously them mob too is very long but i don't know if that means the longhorns are going to be any good uh i i'm firmly on wait and see mode with them baylor's going to be good though i shouldn't shouldn't sit here and pretend they won't be i shouldn't have brought this question up because now now there are a whole bunch of teams that we're, we're saying could uh could actually do well from the state of Texas. So my apologies, but felt it was worth mentioning. Anyway, those were our bold predictions. I'm not sure we have anything else that's really pressing right now, unless either you have anything uh, on top of your mind. Nothing terribly pressing. Nothing. Happy that basketball is back because I'm, I'm over, I'm over football and I've been checked out on baseball for at least two months now. 46. You know how many days we are away? 46 days. That's right. I'm shocked that you know that. I know. It'll be 45 tomorrow, 44 the day after that. Well, I I will say I'm not checked out on baseball yet because I do have my tickets to the American League wildcard game taking place 
at Yankee Stadium a week from tomorrow. And I just, I can't wait to go. I was at the 2015 wildcard game, and even though the Yankees lost, that was probably the best atmosphere I've ever seen for a baseball game. Uh, it was incredible. It beat any other playoff game I've been to. It was so much fun, so I can't wait for that. Um, but even so, I can't wait for basketball. Basketball's, it's just, college basketball's my favorite thing on earth. So, very excited for it. Again, check our site. We're going to be rolling out our season preview content. Starting next week, we'll have the Atlantic Sun next Monday night, or next Monday day, I should say. And then every weekday in October, we will be focusing on a different conference. Um, And we'll go right up until the beginning of November when we give our power rankings, uh, all-American teams, all sorts of content that you will want. And we are going to do each of those... um, Every conference preview, every week that we have in October, we're going to be doing a podcast to correspond with it. Um, so next week, look out for a podcast from us. It might be brief. It might only be, you know, a half hour or whatever, but we'll be talking about some something to do with either the Atlantic Sun, the Big West, the Big Sky, the Southland, or the NEC. Those are the five conferences that we cover in that first week. Uh, and then we kind of go from there, building up to the bigger conferences towards the end so stay tuned we'll be talking about that again sign up for our newsletter uh we'll have a link in the description of this episode we'll have it in the article that goes with this episode we'll tweet it out a few times i'm sure um follow us on facebook facebook.com slash madness follow us on twitter at mid underscore madness uh you can follow me russ steinberg at russ underscore steinberg and uh, Greg, how can people follow you on the internet? Uh, Greg P. Uh, Mitchell. And it's uh, essentially an RSS feed, but we'll try to check it out. <laughs> uh, at Chris Shooty 3. Um, how can we follow if you? If you're interested in Tom Crane content, there's nobody better on the web than me. It's <laughs> Yeah, Chris's Twitter is like 85% pictures of Tom Crane. 15% him replying to SB Nation tweets with it hard to say. Um, so it's a it's a really good mix. Um, and kind of along those same lines, I should say, I just got the iPhone 8 today, which you guys know. Um, and that's only notable because I had oh, it's a the step up, 16 isn't it? gig iPhone 6 prior. Yeah, this is 256 gigs here. Uh, so I could have as much Tom Crean content I can saved send on my up. phone at all times as I want, and I'm so excited for that. And that is the number one reason. Yeah, I want I want all of the Tom Crean picks. I want a reaction for anything that could possibly happen in sports uh, to be a Tom Crean pick. Uh, and that's why you should follow me. Um, so if you've stuck with us for this almost hour, thank you so much for doing so. For Greg and for Chris. I am Russ. Again, this has been the Mid-Major Bandits Podcast. We will be back soon enough um, to kick off our season preview series. So stay with us for that. And be sure to check out all of the work from all of our writers at midmajormadness.com. Have a good day, everyone.